Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes. Welcome to Tech Radio. For 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you bang up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. But there's not uh, too much up-to-dating, really, this week between Eurovision and EU elections and Brexit and all that kind of stuff. But there is one big tech story myself and Niall are quite excited about, and that is uh, it's Hollywood and movie related, isn't it? It is. It is the 40th anniversary of a little movie we like to call Alien. Uh, I I actually think it is one of the better space movies, way better than Star Wars, because Star Wars is just a little bit, it's kind of fantasy and, Mm. you know, there's romance and all that kind of stuff in it, whereas I don't. Anyway, we thought that uh, because it was the 40th anniversary of Alien this week, that what we would do is we would try and go through our favourite science fiction movies of all time, trying to pick out movies that maybe you haven't seen uh, or maybe movies that um, you haven't seen in a long time and you kind of go, oh, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> that kind yeah. of way. Uh, so Nyla's picked out five. I've picked out five. And what we're going to do is just going to kind of uh, uh, paddle between us and, yeah. and and see where we come up with that. And hopefully we'll give you some good suggestions and stuff you can pick up on uh, Google or Apple or on uh, Netflix. I think all the movies are available on yeah. those. All right. Um, I'll start off with a movie from 1951. I'm going to start with the oldies and work our way to more modern times. How's okay. that? 1951 is my first movie. All right. And it's the original version of The Day the Earth Stood still. Ooh, Klaatu, Verata, oh Nictu. Look at him again, not going from notes. There you go. <laughs> Straight from memory. Essentially, uh, this is, uh, there was something about the 50s. And I think yes. Arthur C. Clarke was kind of maybe at his peak in the 50s with his writing. And then there was lots of science fiction authors who were doing very well and magazines and space seemed to be on everybody's mind because they come out of like World War II and rockets were a thing. And then they were talking about rockets and getting them up into space. That was the whole thing. Didn't the Russians go into space? Yorke, no, no, Yorke Gargan. No, before they that were they were in space. They had a monkey in space. They had a monkey in space. And I think that was the late 50s, early 60s. Uh Anyways, but space was on everybody's mind and science fiction was, of course, on everybody's mind. And I think science fiction was kind of almost like B-movies. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the ideas in them were fantastic. And The Day the Earth Stood Still is just one of those movies. It's one of the first science fiction movies they ever saw. And what I liked about it was it was a story and it was science fiction. It was the future and aliens and space. But there was also kind of a moral or a Something that would make you think. Hmm. And the whole idea was, you know, this spaceship lands on Earth and everybody's going, oh, my God, what's this? You know, and this guy comes out with a giant robot. And the message from the guy is, like, you know, kind of um, live peacefully or somebody's going to come along and destroy you. Hmm. <laughs> and it kind of really made you think, like, about, you know, well, what if somebody did do that? Like, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think, is that um, childhood's end? Is that... Was it was that idea? It could very well be, that. and that's that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, yeah. it, 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 it seems to be very much a, a common recurring theme. Mm. You know, Mars Attacks comes comes was was a yeah. movie that I enjoyed, but it's not in my top five. Anyway, that's that's my first one. What have you got first on your list? Okay, we are going to the year 1965. We are going to France. Uh, we we are meeting the French New Wave auteur Jean Luc Godard 
for uh, who's d- the director of uh, Breathless or Au bout du Soufflé, uh, if you will, um, which had a vastly important film for the French New Wave. But he also directed a wonderful little science fiction film you might know as Alphaville. And depending on your perspective, it's either this po-face um, arthouse film uh, or it's a complete send-up of every spy and noir story you've ever seen. So uh, it's about a detective, a, a Secret Service um, agent from the States who goes to this fictitious city of Alphaville, possibly on another planet, not terribly sure, and he's sent to uh, find a missing person. And that's that's a very simple, um, uh, very simple uh, mission that he's sent on. But being French, it's done in a very French way and Alphaville is basically a surveillance city and there's lots of cameras panning around the place very slowly. But what I really liked about Alphaville is that there's no there's no attempt really in the production design to make the city look like anything other than Paris. You know, there's no... <laughs> it looks like a generic French city. You know, it's, it's, you could be walking around Dublin going, oh yeah, it's Dublin future. Yeah. No, this is alternate Dublin. This is completely different Dublin. It just happens to look like Dublin. People drive around. People take the Lewis. It's, it's, not, it's, it's you know, Alpha Dublin, you know. It's, it, but, you know, just things happen within the city to make you think, oh, well, maybe it is a bit of a strange city. You know, p- people are looking at each other kind of askance and there's this sort of uh, paranoia about it uh, and sort of, you know, random acts of violence. But, you know, and, you know, there's a there's a fairly interesting ending as well. It sort of seems to come out of nowhere and you go, oh, that's what that was. But, yeah, I, I just really like the idea that there are these cameras following you around very deliberately wherever you go, very... Orwellian kind of mood to it but that there doesn't seem to be mo- it's it's not things to come you know <laughs> it's not it, it's it's not a utopia you know it just it's a bunch of buildings it's a hotel it's xyz it's great i love it all right well uh, from that to uh, a movie that was made 9 years before that which did look significantly different from paris uh, it's called forbidden planet aha which is uh well, not a remake, but an interpretation of which Shakespeare play? You know this. Oh, no, I don't know it. I, I failed English in school. The Tempest. <laughs> uh, it stars Leslie Nielsen. Did you know that? Who's brilliantly pole-faced in it, isn't he? Well, he's brilliantly pole-faced in everything, isn't he? Yeah, correct. <laughs> That's where he started. Yeah, you got me. But uh, basically, the, Leslie Nielsen plays the, the captain of a spaceship that's sent to investigate a planet full of scientists that's gone mysteriously quiet all of a sudden. And when they arrive, they find uh, two survivors, which is a, a mad scientist and his absolutely hot, gorgeous daughter. But of course. And uh, and a secret. So it's like, hmm. And then the, the story develops. And of course, the other uh, main character in that that they find is not a human being, but it's the robot. The robot called? One of the, I, I think it was just called Robot. And it was one of the kind of the first robots that I saw. And he was kind of like a cross between something from the future and the Michelin Man. <laughs> that kind of thing. But I would just read really, that watching, thinking about that movie or even uh, I watch a little bit of it during the week. It just brings me back to my childhood. Mm. And that's kind of like as a little eight year old, you know, stay up late and you've got mm. your pajamas on and all that kind of stuff. And you're watching the telly. And it's like, oh, wow, mm. <laughs> you know. And I remember it was a little bit of a, a landmark for visual effects as well. I mean, science fiction and all, 
tends to be tends to set the bar at these things anyway. But I think Forbidden Planet for for its time it was it was pretty up there, especially in the use of matte paintings. You know, mm. every everything sort of looked huge. Well, it did look huge, and that's that's why I was laughing when you were saying like you know the city just looked like. Paris or mm. any, any any movie today was this place. They went underground and they said, yes, that tunnel goes for 20 miles that way. That goes for 20 miles that way. And uh, up and down, it's 78,000 floors or whatever it happens to be. And mm. It's kind of like you can see it and you can imagine it. And it was like, yeah, I, th- I, I thought the um, I thought the effects are kind of good in some ways. Mm. You can imagine like those people who, if they were able to make those effects back in 1956, what would they do at modern software? Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mind shoulders. Anyway, what's your next one? Okay, my next one. We are going to the year 1978. We're going to uh, what is a remake of a film that would be subsequently remade uh, a further two times. So this is the second of four interpretations of the same story. Uh, and it's a movie called Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ah, and every time it was made, it was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, yeah? It was. And yet, it was always slightly different. Um, the uh, first version in 1956, I think it was, was set in a small town. Um, in the third version, it was set in an army camp. Mm. Fourth version, I can't remember. Uh, it was the one with Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman. I'm not even sure I saw it. Uh, but the second one was in San Francisco. And not, you know, a part of San Francisco, the entire city of San Francisco. Um and the original message of Invasion of the Body Snatchers was like, you know, the, the enemy is here, the enemy is amongst you. And of, of course, you know, in the 19, 1950s, you had the Red Scare, you had the panic, panic that, my goodness, there are communists everywhere and, and, and they're trying to usurp America. You know, they're trying to take us over from within. Mm. Uh, that, that sort of concern was replaced in the 1978 version with this idea of the individual versus the larger society, but within your own country, mm. you know. So, uh, and the way the film is shot as well, it's such a, a sense of, you know, the urban of the city, of skyscrapers, you know, large buildings are framed within shot between characters that you get the sense of it's the collective, it's the world of the consumer against the world of the individual. So to what extent does city life turn you into something you're not meant to be? Uh, and that's the central question but uh, there's a wonderful cast in it um, Donald Sutherland uh, who has that wonderful iconic moment at the end that I'm not going to spoil it for anyone uh, Brooke Adams Jeff Goldblum is in it um, and uh, Leonard Nimoy is in it uh, and again Veronica Cartwright is in there uh, as well she had that sort of uh, purple patch I guess in the end of, uh, in the 70s but uh, really good really well acted film and um, what's his name from the original uh, Kevin McCarthy who's the protagonist in, in the original film, he has a cameo uh, where he basically runs into a, a car and is screaming, they're coming, they're coming. And then he runs off uh, and, you know, everyone is sort of like, wow, look at a crazy person. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it sort of foreshadows very well what comes. But um, again, it, it's part of that, you know, late 70s milieu where you, the, America was a bit rubbish at the time, especially uh, in the cities. I mean, I, I have relatives that will tell you about New York being particularly unpleasant to live in in the, in the 70s and the early 80s. And there is this sense of decline, uh, this wonderful sense of decline that permeates the films of that era, that there's a realism to them. And uh, in this interpretation of the story, it, it's, it's not schlocky. Mm. It's it's there. It's making a point. It's got real people with real jobs, and they're genuinely cynical, and they get caught up in this 
massive thing that's around them. And it's not it's not within their power to change anything. Mm. You know, there's no point in them trying to raise the alarm because who are these people? Mm. It's just about survival and escape. And it's wonderful for it. It's funny, uh, like when you say about these stories have been told over and over again in different guises. I've never seen Invasion of the Body Snatches, oh, you know. any of them. Oh. Um, zombie movies are generally not my thing. But as you say, it, it does remind me of a story that I read uh, that was, and I was thinking it was one of these contagion type stories uh, where everybody is dying of whatever disease or maybe this disease turns people into zombies or something like that. Mm-hmm. And these people are trying to escape. I remember reading that and I know it was an invasion of the body snatches and I'm kind of thinking that's what you were watching on the uh, on, on, mm. on the beach. Why did, did you pick that particular version? Uh, well, I think the 70s was a high point uh, for Hollywood films. I think uh, they managed to balance ideas with human drama, with adult characters. I mean, all the characters in this movie mm. were in their, you know, late 30s, 40s. Uh, you don't really get that so much now. I mean, this this was a film aimed at adults with adult concerns and, you know, an adult appreciation of, uh, of what's going on. Film like that wouldn't really get made these days, certainly not in, the, in, this, in this. All right. Movies are marketed to, what, 15-year-old boys these days? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I disagree with that. But uh, anyways, okay. um, that's for another day. Uh, I'm back in the 60s okay. with uh, my next movie suggestion. And this is a classic, the H2L story, The Time Machine. Oh, wow. Very classic. Which has been made a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the most recent was in 1990-something or early 2000. And Samantha Mumba was in it. Was uh, Guy Pearce in that as I well? I think he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Exactly. Guy Pearce was the lead role, actually. Yes, oh. yes, 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 exactly. But I prefer the Time Machine because that's the first version that I saw and probably saw it again mm. when I was a kid. I'm back into childhood memory. Maybe sci-fi makes me feel safe. <laughs> you know, like uh, you feel safe when you think back to when you were an eight, nine, ten-year-old whatever mm. and your parents were gods um, uh, Rod Taylor starred in this particular one where he invents the time machine so it's in his living room or in his workshop in his house or whatever he's, he's saying goodbye to all his mates he goes yes well, well I'll see you next week blah 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 I'm off on a trip mm. um, and he just puts his key in and goes forward and just the effects that they were able to do of the time passing by the spot that mm. where he had his machine Um and I thought it was really interesting to see uh, wars come and go and the house getting boarded up. And then eventually it got to a stage where uh, he is sitting in what looks like a, a green field. And as a whole, I would like to, it's not an advanced civilization. It's almost like, you know, humankind went backwards mm. and it was more Stone Age than anything else. Mm. But it was set many thousands of years in the future because man had obviously blown himself up and the survivors had to start from scratch or uh, yeah. something along those lines. Um, but I just, I just liked it. And I like mm. the, the special effects. And when I close my eyes now, I can see the wood slats being slammed up on his greenhouse of his uh, uh, thing as, as, as things went by. Mm. So yep. what have you got next? Uh, okay, I'm bringing you up to the year 1990. Okay. A film directed by a South African gentleman called Richard Stanley. Uh, I think this was his first feature. Yes, it was. It was his first full length feature film. He did um, a bunch of music videos, I think beforehand um, and it's a little movie called Hardware I don't know if you've seen it I haven't okay I like the title yeah uh, you will probably love the movie then as well uh, basically it's a post-apocalyptic future uh, and this man is scouting for spare parts or anything useful out in the irradiated wasteland mm-hmm. and uh, he comes across basically a robot 
which has all been smashed up into pieces. Uh, he brings it back to uh, to the city, and um, a gentleman goes, oh, "I'll buy that because my girlfriend, you know, is uh, an artist. She she's she makes sculptures. Okay, and this would be great. She'd love this." So he brings a uh, said uh, robot up to the apartment. Goes, "Look, there you go. Have had you know? I'm going off to do what it is I do, and uh, I'm just going to leave you here with this thing, and you can make art with it. Go you." So boyfriend leaves and the robot basically wakes up, has a look around the place and uh, we discover that it, it is a robot bred for war and his first instinct is to rebuild himself so he can be combat effective. <laughs> and it becomes this uh, battle between this robot that is slowly rebuilding himself and this woman stuck in her apartment. It's brilliant. And it just has this very distinctive visual language to it. And it does, it does look kind of like a pop video in some respects, but it's, um, yeah, it has such a verve and a style to it. And it's got characters who are the least reliable people in the world in the event of a, a crisis situation. <laughs> that's, that's as much as I can, I can say about them um, without getting a bit adult. But uh, I recommend if you have a strong stomach, Go see it. It's actually quite hard to find. Um, I think it was on Netflix US briefly. Um, I ended up seeing it in um, the IFI on a 35 millimeter print years ago. Right. Uh, oddly enough, Richard Stanley would go on to become infamous for his attempted version of the Island of Dr. Moreau, uh, during which he was booted off uh, and replaced by uh, John Frankenheimer, uh, only to return to the set. Uh, made up as one of the creatures <laughs> and basically hid on set. <laughs> I love those little ins that you mm. see, those little bits of trivia to do with uh, movies and stuff. Uh, my next one for you, my second last one for you is, I think it's the darker, dirty one <laughs> that you're talking about from the early 70s. Okay. Uh, and it's Bruce Dern as a scientist who is traveling on a spaceship. Mm-hmm. And the deal is that all the plants have died on Earth. So Bruce Dern is this gardener on the spaceship who keeps the last known plants Alive, And he's got these huge big domes mm. hanging off the side of a spaceship where he has to grow the various plants and flowers and vegetables and fruit and whatever else uh, with him and a, and a bunch of robots. That's called silent running. Mm. And the story is kind of th- you get the initial thing and you see his love for whatever. And uh, I love there was a bit where they had little scooters. And they would literally race around the spaceship. I was kind of like, wow, they can make spaceships that big? That's amazing. <laughs> um, but then they get a call from Earth or a message from Earth or whichever it is to say, destroy all the pods. Mm. So, like, you know, you know how people are with their cats and with their dogs and their pets. and Sometimes, even, sometimes even their children. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Um, uh, he was like that with his plants. Uh, mm. And he took great offence to this and actually murdered everybody else who was on the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it progresses to, to see what happens with it. Uh, Silent Running is the name of the movie. Mm. And I just liked that image of the domes hanging off the side of the spaceship. Mm. Yeah. And uh, the first time I saw a spaceship sponsored by a private company in a film as well, uh, if memory serves, the ship was sponsored by Pan Am. It could very well have been. I don't remember now uh, that closely. Go on. What have you got next? Okay, number four. Um, Sorry, number five. Yes. 
No, number four. I'm bringing you to the year 1995. Okay. Uh, and um, I'm not going to say a little film because it's two and a half hours long. It's actually quite a big film um, uh, d- directed by Catherine Bigelow, who went on to win an Oscar for uh, The Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm. And it's a film called Strange Days. And it's set in the last days of 1999. And basically there are three storylines, if you will, and they, they interlock. Right? Okay. So let me explain this as, as best I can. It's basically a cyberpunk thriller, which means you've got high technology and low lives mixing together in an urban environment. And it's kind of modelled on what happened with the LA riots, only fast forward it uh, into a few years. So a rapper called Jericho One has been murdered by the police. Um, and that sort of forms the uh, sort of the background as to what's going on. Um, at the same time, there is a, a disgraced former cop called Lenny. And what he does is he sells uh, memories. He sells personal experiences that people have had, right? Uh, you walk around, you wear this thing on your head and it's recording everything that you're doing. And it could be something very benign. It's, be, it's like a dash cam for your forehead. If you will. Oh, well, yeah, your entire, your entire head. Um, and, you know, you could be jumping out of an airplane. You could be absolutely anything, right? Uh, and he sells these. And uh, you, you, you need this headset to, to enjoy them. You okay. know, they record and they, they play at the same time. Uh, and unfortunately, Lenny comes across one of these squids, as they're, as they're called, uh, of some, somebody being murdered. He's like, OK, what, what do I do with this? Um, at the same time, uh, he is pining for this um, nightclub singer called Faith, uh, whose friend it is he has just seen murdered. Uh, who in turn is going out with a gentleman called Philo, who used to, who was the manager of Jericho One. So all these characters are interlinking together. Okay. Um, and it, it kind of goes from there. But what I like is its depiction of virtual reality as sort of a commodity um, and that people are, you know, buying and selling their, their experiences. But that, this is also very damaging to people as well, that people are b- being exposed to things that they actually, you know, they don't have the capacity to deal with or process. I mean, could you imagine if you were given a, a blank tape and you watched it and it was something really, really nasty that you're just, you're not ready for, you're not able for it? You know, it's it's not a nice yeah. place to be in. It's called Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you also get, you know, the tactile experience, what the what the other person was feeling, you know, it's more than just, you know, seeing. Uh, but anyway, so uh, I recommend you see it. It's okay. a very large film set in a large city and there's an awful lot of urban decay and ennui. Uh, Ralph Fiennes is the lead in it. Oh, he I is love fantastic. Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's fantastic. It's a little bit like Total Recall. Do you think it was based on that or, or is uh, a different way of telling the same story or well in the in the way that you're trafficking in memories I guess that is sort of a Philip K. Dick kind of idea mm. so maybe you know in terms of ideas there might be a bit of overlap there but um, yeah Strange Days is a much more contemporary take on things I mean bear in mind it was released in the mid 90s um, with a late 90s sort of mm. setting yeah. so the, there is that sort of fantasy fantasy thing going on as well uh, where people were generally worried about what would what would happen 
you know, where we're all going to go nuts with, with the millennium bug kick in and destroy everything. Yeah, yeah. All right, strange days. Uh, my last one for you is uh, Jodie Foster in a movie which I would describe as Head and Shoulders, my favourite movie of all time. Okay, and this, this isn't a film you've mentioned at all on the show. Uh, <laughs> have I mentioned it that often? Have I really? Oh my goodness. 1997, Jodie Foster uh, is the mad queen of the desert, receives signals from outer space that turn out to be plans from aliens to build a machine in a movie they called Contact. Yep. yep. You, you don't agree with this being a good movie. No. You think it's rubbish, do you? No, I You're just... kind of looking at me going, oh, you sad man. You keep talking no. about that movie over and over again. I'm fed up. It's just between this and Minority Report, it feels like we should have like a swear jar or something like that. Well, Minority know? Report is your favourite movie of all time and I, and I don't like that at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite funny. I, uh, I really liked, the, the reason I really liked Contact uh, was that it was one of those science fiction movies that really made me think. It wasn't just mm. like, you know, kind of watch the story and there's aliens involved and what happens when they build a machine and where will it take them and, da, da, and all that kind of stuff. There was a whole religion angle, which uh, I have just threw me for six when, when I saw it the, the first time. It's kind of because like an awful lot of religion is based on, well, this is paradise. Earth is paradise. Mm. It's the only one. All right. And then when you die, uh, you go to this thing called heaven. All right. It's all very similar. And there are no other civilizations on any other planets. Mm. Yeah. And then some aliens <laughs> sent plans to build a machine. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, hang on a minute. We're not alone. Mm. There are other creatures in this universe. What do they believe? Or who are they? Mm. Or whatever. And just that whole side of it was like, Whoa! Yeah, you know, yeah. and then I re- I've I've read, watched it several times. I've read the book by uh, uh, Carl Sagan, was the one who wrote it, and I I just think great story, mm. great yeah. story. So, have you got Minority Reported number one on your list? I then? don't actually. I was, I was trying to think of movies that you know pe- people might not have seen, uh, and my number one pick is a little a little something I like to call Upstream Color. Ooh. Uh, now, this is directed by a guy called Shane Carruth. Uh, in 2013, this movie was uh, released. Uh, you might remember him from his debut feature in 2004, which is called Primer, uh, which was a time travel drama. Oh, yeah. Didn't like it. It was. It's a mm. real noodle scratcher. Mm. Um, it's, it's a sort of film you kind of have to watch more than once to get it together because it doesn't look like a science fiction film. Mm. Uh, a lot of it is just um, guys talking about engineering. And then it starts to fold in on itself ever so slowly. And okay. a lot of things that happen in that film are discussed as opposed to seen. Uh, now, Upstream Colour has that similar kind of folded in structure. So there's bits that you're watching where you can see that there's something going on, but you're not sure what. And then when you discover at the end what it is, it couldn't have been anything else. Um, but it was kind of fun getting there. So... Uh, Upstream Colour. Basically, it's about a couple uh, played by Shane Cruz and Amy Simonitz. And they are having, they have this intense emotional attachment, but they, they're not sure where it's coming from. Uh, and they're experiencing this relationship through very sort of fractured, I would call it, scenes and sets of emotions. And they're not sure why they're feeling the way they're feeling. Um, and what we as an audience are meant to know <laughs> is that uh, they have both been infected with uh, a larva. Uh, and after uh, a year of being 
infected said larva was removed from them and placed inside another animal, which I'm not going to elaborate too much on. And they begin sharing the emotions of the animal they have been paired with. Okay. So again, this speaks to the the idea of identity and uh, who we are in the world. What's our place in the world? Um, is there a hierarchy of where we belong in the world? Uh, and it's again this this overlap. It's very Philip K. Dick. I I think if there's one writer that is you know um, well Arthur C. Clarke in your case, but I think mm. Philip K. Dick kind of resonates with me and and um, stories within his style uh, or with that deal with ideas that he dealt with yeah. as well. So you have these two people in this very intense relationship, not knowing what's going on. Uh, and they do some fairly random things on the basis of something that's happening to an entirely different species far, far away. I recommend watching it. Um, for about three quarters, you'll be going, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's not an easy film to get through. Um, but I think... But at the end of it, it's worth it. I think so. Okay. I think it's very Upstream colour. Upstream colour. All right, OK. It's cool. about people, plants and pigs. People, plants and pigs. Yeah. Hmm. Well, on that note, <laughs> we shall wrap up our show for uh, uh, for this week. Interesting, actually, to see uh, what you like and what I like and lots of differences and lots of consistencies there as well. Yeah. I would yeah. Have thought. Okay. Listen, uh, that is it for uh, this week. Uh, we'll be back with our regular show next week with all the news of what's happening around Ireland in tech and around the world as well. And of course, on the website, we make sure you get all that with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more techcentral.ie to grab it. Or of course, listen to our show every week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty and from Niall at Tech Central HQ, thanks for listening. And have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.